Hi there. We have a favor to ask. If you're enjoying the DLC Live podcast and you're listening on a platform that lets you leave a rating or a review, leave us a five-star rating. Maybe take a minute to write a quick review. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to DLC Live, your source for educational and inspirational interviews with mental health experts and advocates from around the world. Now, here's your host, creator of the DLC Anxiety Worldwide Mental Health Community, Dean Stott. Hey, Anna, you okay? Hello. Very nice to meet you. I was just telling, nice saying, to fantastic. I was just saying to the community that um, there's like 5,000 uh, miles difference between us. So hopefully the signal will hold up. Um, but yeah, great to have I'm you sure on. I'm sure it will. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. So great to have you on. Um, Thank you so much for your invitation. As I told you a couple of times before, I'm really glad we're doing this. Your page has helped me through so much, as I'm sure it has helped thousands of other people. So I'm really excited to, to have this conversation with you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, let's get into it. So we wanted okay. to talk about anxiety um, and anxiety treatments. So just for a little background, are you able to just, um, obviously, we know that you're a fantastic actress by the way and kudos to everything that you're doing but more importantly from the mental health community someone with such a great following like you who's advocating for mental health uh, awareness and change is just beautiful to see from the other side of the globe um why does mental health mean so much to you do you have your own like mental health journey or anxiety journey that you've been through i do i do i have my own mental health journey and Honestly, I think that since I was a kid, it, it has been a subject that has always been very, very interesting to me. I've always wanted to know and I've always wanted to learn to research about it. And when I was about 10 to 11 years old, I started to show a few symptoms of anxiety. Okay. So looking backwards, I think I live with anxiety more than to live without it. <laughs> yeah. And what so, do you remember what them first um, symptoms were? Yes, I do. I do. I, actually, it was, let's just say, kind of like the general thing, you know, like hard time breathing. I used to feel like this chest pains, my hands tingling. I used to sweat a lot sometimes out of nowhere. And this persistent feeling that something bad was about to happen at any given time. So my family took me to my family's doctor and she examined me and she said, look, physically, you're okay. You're fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, your blood pressure is fine. Your heart is fine. Your lungs are fine. What I think you're experiencing is what we call anxiety. At that time, I did not have the maturity nor the knowledge to actually understand and the grasp of what an anxiety disorder was. So... I feel like ever since I was about that age, I realized that it was something I would have to deal with and mm -hmm. that I should, in my own way, start to learn about it. And that, that's so important, isn't it? Like you said, they're starting to learn the psychoeducation because yes. a lot of people, when they, when they start to feel anxiety, they don't realize that they probably have felt it before. So like you said, 
you probably had more years living with anxiety than without. And I think it's that realization of when you get to learn about the anxiety symptoms and that even though they're really, really scary, that they're not going to harm you, which is one thing that's really hard to believe at the start, isn't it? You, you think that the worst case scenario is going to happen and you think that your life's in danger. And um, it, it can be really hard for people. Just so with you growing up, so you were 12, you went for this diagnosis. Um, did it affect, so obviously you're an actress now, which is some people might think that you're obviously being vulnerable and putting yourself in all these um, great roles that you do. Um, have you felt that like with acting or anything, does that help your anxiety or or does that make it worse? And how have you managed to like be in the spotlight and um, like keep control of your anxiety? I think it's, it's a both-sided sword, you know. Um, I think you can have... Art in general can be a huge help with along therapy and it, it is also used as a treatment, but you also have the downsides of it. So it, it is a beautiful way for you to channel some of your intense feelings and to kind of learn how to work with this very fertile Im imagination. But it can also be very stressful sometimes because you, you not only are in the spotlight, but the majority of people who struggle with anxiety also have a little bit of perfectionism. So it's a very, it's very important for you to develop self-awareness so you can use this process as something to kind of help you and not to destroy you because you already can get easily destroyed by your own mind. So I think uh, through the years, I kind of learned how to deal with it and kind of learned how to channelize it. And nowadays, I'm really grateful for my, for my job. And I, I can see that I learned how to manage it. Fantastic. So like, um, when you are acting and that, do you ever get anxious? And if so, do you tell the people around you? So will you tell your co-stars that you're feeling anxious and you need to take a minute? No, actually, when it's very interesting that question because when you're in the set, to me, it's kind of like entering this new world. It, it's yeah. almost like a good association, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're entering in this parallel world, you're there with people who you like to be with, who love the same things that you do. And I also believe that having this support system around me as my family and the people around me it also helps me to feel like it's okay if you're not feeling good today it's okay get your job done and when you get home you will be able to deal with it you will be able to do whatever it is that you feel like it's gonna make you feel better but that's now when I was about like 18 I was having sort of like I don't know, seven panic attacks per day and I did not know how to manage it. And I would, before doing an audition or something, I would completely panic. Okay. So doing a few of some exercises, very well known in, in cognitive behavior therapy has helped me a lot. And With the panic attacks, yeah. Yes, as the process of getting to know myself, getting to know my triggers, getting to know a little bit of how my mind works, 
because one of the things I think we're going to talk about is it's the importance of self-awareness, mm -hmm. of knowing how you respond to things, of knowing how did you got there, how, what type of association has you allowed yourself to do that got you there, and why are you doing those associations? And I think it's like a deep dive. It's not easy, but it's completely transformative and it's a very beautiful journey. And you said at that point you was having seven panic attacks a day, yeah? That must have been truly exhausting. Um, and for people listening who are, who are maybe going through panic disorder, how long did it take you uh, on your own journey to go from that seven panic attacks a day to um, where you're at now with anxiety recovery? Well, I think the panic attacks lasted for, let's just say, a year. Okay. And through that process, I, or, I also started going to therapy, which was extremely helpful to me. And when I got to really know what was happening inside of my head and how to develop some skills to deal with it, was when the panic attacks started to, to slow down, it started to dial down. And then I just had to learn how to handle with anxiety so that I wouldn't get to the panic attacks. Mm. What I think is very scary about panic attacks is that they literally come out of nowhere. Exactly. So yeah. until you get to that point of understanding what might trigger you and what you should heal in yourself, it can take a while. But I, I tell you this with the truthful sure that I have that you are going to be able to overcome it. Okay. It might not be super easy or it might take a little bit more of time than you think, but you will be able to overcome it. And they're really strong words um, because I remember five, six, seven years ago when I was at the start of an anxiety journey dealing with, like you said, three, four panic attacks a day, um, you just really don't believe that there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can feel isolated, you can feel alone. And I remember thinking that this is me, this is going to be me for the rest of my life. I just need yes. to deal with this, yeah. Yes, this is going to be my normality. Like, oh my God, how, how am I supposed to deal with it? I have... <laughs> So many dreams, so many things that I love doing that I'm not being able to do anymore. I mean, the simplest things, you, you just can't. You just mm. can't. So it's a very intense and very scary process. And I'm yeah. sorry you, you went through it. <laughs> no, no problem. Well, we wouldn't be able to share our experiences for the community, which is super exactly. important. Um, and the one thing that really helped me was one, one, the psychoeducation, what you just mentioned, and obviously all the tips um, that comes with anxiety recovery. So all the tools that you can use, CBT was really helpful for me. Breathing techniques was really helpful. But like you say, just learning and being self-aware of that you're going to be feeling anxious in the moment, but that moment always passes. Even though when you're in that anxiety moment, it doesn't feel like it's going to pass. It always does pass. And I think that was really important. But I also had and was very lucky to have a friend who was a little bit older than me. And he'd already been through an anxiety disorder himself and come out the other side. So he was fully recovered. So to have someone like him tell me and show me um, that there was light at the end of the tunnel and that, and that anxiety recovery was possible was really important um, to my own journey. Um, going back to obviously when you were dealing with the panic attacks, did you have someone like that who was almost like your mentor through anxiety recovery? 
Well, I had my therapist and my parents helped me a lot. I'll never forget there was this one this one time that I was having like a major panic attack out of nowhere. I was in my house. It was like a normal day and then suddenly bam, it started. Mm-hmm. My father in a very intuitive way, he sat me down and he started to count my heartbeat. And as we were counting without knowing that it was a, a CBT skill, <laughs> and while we, we were counting, I realized how important it was to have someone with that type of sensibility and to also respect what you have, like respect your process and know that it's something that is very hurtful, but also help you to get out of it. Because sometimes you get in your own way. You mm. barely have the energy or the the mental ability to put yourself out of these anxiety episodes. So when you're inside of a panic attack, it's really hard for you to get out. So I'm really glad that I had my family And what also helped me a lot was to research about it, was to read about it and watch videos. At that time, it was a little bit less talked about, especially here in Brazil. I was going to ask you, what's what's the awareness like in Brazil now? Um, Is it good? Obviously, you're doing a wonderful thing. It's getting better, is it? It's getting better, yes. I mean, it's been in a very few years, we have developed a lot in that aspect about awareness on talking about it Mm -hmm. and all of this sort of prejudice that used to come with it this stigma is thankfully fading away and we are being able to talk about it more openly and one of the things i believe it might have happened to you is when you start opening up you start discovering so many people around you that were going through it or know someone that was going through it. So I think it's, it's more present than we think. And it's less of, um, like a madness label, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And I will always remember, uh, like in previous jobs, um, people, like you say, when you start to open up about it, people tell you their own stories and their own experiences. <laughs> and I'll always remember people who, who you would think on the outside look, look so confident, they look so calm. And they would say, well, I, the reason that I talk a lot amongst everyone is to distract me from the anxiety that I'm feeling. And that, that really stuck with me at the time, knowing that these people that everyone perceives as confident around them may also be going through anxiety disorders and, and deal with things just like someone who may be on the quiet side or, or someone else. And that's really important knowing that you're not alone on the journey. Totally, totally. Because you you get to see how complex we are as human beings. Mm. And each one of us might respond at things in a different way, but we all have our struggles. And there's a very, I think it's a very difficult thing about people who are able to live like apparently a normal life and struggle inside because it's kind of like a silent suffering. So to get out of it, I think it's a little bit harder. And that's why it's so important to talk about it because even if the person decides to not share with other people, but at least they get to know another story and they get to know how to heal themselves. Mm. 
Definitely, 100%. And like you say, I think you were very lucky to, like you mentioned about your father, who really helped you in that situation. Is that because he'd been through anxiety before or was he just really engaged? Because obviously we, we get a lot of messages from people in the community who say that they can't relate to the parents, that the parents just don't get anxiety, they don't understand what it is. And there is a stigma with, with older generations with that. So I'm just wondering, obviously, was your dad just on the ball or had he been through anxiety before? What was it? Well, I, I actually, I don't know if I can answer that in a very specific way, because at that time when he was younger, for an example, I don't think he also had the grasp of what an anxiety disorder or panic attack could be, because mm -hmm. back then it was even less talked about. But he's always been very open-minded about it and very, and very nurturing. So I think that helped a lot to at least not at least not think that it was an exaggeration or mm -hmm. to realize that it was something that he could not be feeling and that he could not sort of like relate but that he could respect and that he could do whatever it was at mm -hmm. his disposal to help me at that point that's wonderful so do i say just his openness openness to learn about um, the anxiety himself mm. with you. Um, so really relatable. And as you, I just want to get into the question. So we've, we've had so many different questions from the community. I've highlighted maybe five or six different ones. And yeah, if you just want to give your answers and I can give my opinion as well on it. And I think that'll be a great thing. So the first one is, do you think therapy works for everyone? I think therapy is a healing process. And a healing process is a process. So um, thank God we have a lot of different therapy approaches. And I think it's extremely important for the person who decides to start therapy to really want to start therapy. So I think that if you're willing to do it, if you're willing to open yourself up and dive into yourself, I'm absolutely sure that it can help you. And also, it's quite normal to sometimes start a therapy and maybe not quite feel it, you know, mm -hmm. like not feel like you're prepared or not feeling like you clicked with your therapist or with your therapy approach. So it's very important to recognize it, that it is a process, mm -hmm. that sometimes it's going to work out, sometimes you're going to have to switch a little things, but I really think it can help a lot. And it's up to us to research what types, what approaches could work more with us, what are our triggers, what we want to heal, and then we can find the right treatment. Yeah, I think that's really important, um, just what you mentioned about uh, finding the right uh, approach, because there is so many different therapists out there. And like you say, if you research and know the sort of approach, the sort of like the direction that you want to go into, don't be scared about asking the questions um, to the therapist before you start with them. And if you're not happy with them, um, even if you've had a few sessions with them, it's always okay for you to swap. You don't have to stay with the same therapist. Um, I know a lot of people, um, they get attached to the therapist and don't think that they can move on, even if they're not seeing science. Um, but I think that's really important. And all good therapists will say that as well um, and will recommend it, that if it's not working for some reason, then, then there is other therapists out there. 
Yes, I, I've been through that. I had to switch my my therapy approach. I did for like seven years psychoanalysis, which mm -hmm. had helped me a lot, but it got yeah. to a time where it wasn't helping me anymore. I mean, I used to love my therapist. I used to love her. It was amazing the work she's done, but I felt like I had to to go and find another approach, which I did, and it is the therapy I do now that is a dialectical behavioral therapy that is very similar to the mm -hmm. cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. And it's and how long how long would you say you've been doing that one for now? Uh, almost a year. A year, and how are you yeah. finding that? I'm loving it. It was exactly what I needed to, and mm -hmm. I didn't know it. I mean, I knew I had to try it and at the process, it was very helpful for me because I think that when we're talking about behavioral therapy, be it cognitive, be it dialectical, mm. um, there's this approach of developing skills that it's, it can be very helpful if you are a person who needs to deal with things in a very fast way, if your life is very fast moving. So it's very, it's very nice to have someone mm. to teach you how to develop skills so that you can do it by yourself. I think it's a beautiful way to, to develop psychoeducation. And in that way, in a few years, you're going to be dismissed by your therapist mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to do it on your own. So yeah, that's, a, that's a really good point to make as well. And always know your therapist's intentions uh, because a good therapist really does want to dismiss you and get rid of you at the end because that means that you've recovered from the uh, anxiety which is obviously the end goal. Uh, the next question um, is what do you think about CBT therapy for panic attacks specifically? So that's a perfect question for you because you just said that you switched over to CBT. Now how do you think um, it is uh, CBT techniques work for mm. the panic attacks like once mm. they arise so once they arise in a situation I think well to me it's been very positive on that aspect because as I told you we we learn how to develop the skills so mm. you have some things such as I don't know if I'm going to remember the term in English but it's kind of like one thing that has helped me a lot, it's called like cognitive, it's like you dismantle your thought and you're able to realize when something comes in your mind and when that feeling kind of takes you over, you learn how to distance yourself from it and realize it as something that you're looking at, you're not looking from. Mm -hmm. So you kind of learn how to not be consumed by what you're feeling and act on it you just realize that thought or that experience, that physical experience, and you're able to recognize it, to recognize it at, as an anxiety manifestation, and you're able to drop it with a lot more in a, in a very easier way. Yeah, and so, I think that's really, that's really important because, and I often say this a lot, two people, can, it's not the thought that causes the anxiety, it's the behavior towards that thought, so the way you react to the thought. So, for example, me and you could have the same thought, but you think uh, you react and your behavior towards that thought is completely different and it doesn't cause you anxiety. Whereas I may start to like want to get rid of the thought or feel the thought as a threat. And then what happens is the body's anxiety response will kick in, which is a natural response. 
And then, as you know, um, when uh, how anxiety disorders start, a lot of the time is people being scared of the actual anxiety response, aren't they? So then they start to feel getting anxious and it can really spiral into, it can spiral into people not being able to leave the house, not even be able to leave the bedroom because they're that scared of feeling anxious. Exactly. And what you said, I think it brings us to this point that when you're talking about anxiety, the these thoughts or these physical manifestations are a symptom. They're not the cause, which I think exactly. is something that a lot of people can confuse sometimes, especially people that are outside that are not experiencing it. Um, having a panic attack, it's not going to give you anxiety. You're having it because of anxiety. So being able to acknowledge it and to do exactly what you just said, it can be very helpful. It's just a simple switch of perspective that can can really change things. Yeah, I can see a lot of uh, comments about um, anxiety medication. Um, so just looking at your opinion on anxiety medication, uh, do you, did you uh, use it yourself or did you find any benefits from it? What's your overall take on medication? Yes, I did. And I think that it's very important to point out one thing. Uh, medication can be very helpful if you also do the work. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people um, start to use medication and think that that was going to solve all of the problems mm -hmm. and that you're going to take this magical pill and your mm -hmm. life is going to change. It's not that way. We're talking about a chemical imbalance and then you're going to take a medication just like, well, you're, you have a headache, so you're going to take a medicine for it. So you have this chemical imbalance, you're going to take the medication to help regulate it, but you still have got to heal yourself. You still have got to get to know your triggers, the way you respond to things, how you got there, you know, like, do you have difficulty saying no? Do you... Are you a perfectionist? Do you take on a lot of other people's things? Did you experience some sort of trauma? Mm. So I think it's very important to know that therapy and medication should walk hand in hand. Yeah, and if I don't you know, what's your opinion on it? No, 100%. Um, I didn't personally take medication. However, I, did, I, I completely agree mm. with what you said there. I think that if someone's dealing with high levels of anxiety, you, um, it's proven that medication can actually bring the anxiety down. Um, and the science um, is there to say it, that a combination of CBT therapy and medication um, is the best at um, the, the overall reduction of anxiety and anxiety recovery. So what you said there is, is perfect, and that goes hand in hand with science. But just like everything, it medication might not work for you and if it doesn't then that's totally okay because you said we we have other, uh, other great tools out there you have psychoeducation you have self-awareness you have mindfulness meditation cbt therapy and i think just um people being aware of all the different aspects and then finding which ones work best for them um it's like a tailor-made recovery isn't it is the best uh, route for recovery exactly uh, um I also spent a lot of years without taking medication mm -hmm. and it was profoundly helpful and mm -hmm. necessary for me because it was when I got to 
get to know a lot about myself and also experience this, these different types and different approaches of treatment. Um, a little meditation, art therapy, um, just therapy, psychoeducation. So I think that if you are at a point where medication is recommended and needed, um, then it's, it's important for you to listen to the doctor. But do not forget to get to know yourself and get to know your healing process because it's different. It's from person to person. Exactly. And I think that's that's important what you said about um, it's important to listen to your doctor, because once you when you're dealing with these uh, anxiety symptoms at first, they can um, mimic other um, medical mm-hmm. conditions. So it's always good to go to the doctor so that, um, you can be reassured that it is just anxiety. And then when it is anxiety, you can mm-hmm. then do the work and find out what works best for you. Um, I can just see someone put, we need more of these therapies in schools. And that's something that I really believe in mm-hmm. too. Um, the, too. Earl, the earlier that we can teach children just the basic CBT skills, for example, or the psychoeducation behind mental health, anxiety and depression and what the symptoms are, I think that'll take away the, the initial scary part to when you're first mm-hmm. dealing with anxiety. Exactly. I, I, agree with you a hundred percent i think at least it would take the stigma away and it would make people realize that it's okay if it's if it happens to you and if it happens to you it's not going to be so scary i mean it's not going to be this new world that you're going to have to to get to know and you're going to have to start to dig it to dig it so if you kind of have that sort of information in a very early age, mm-hmm. you're able to handle with yourself better, with people around you better. Mm-hmm. And I think that overall, it, it makes you like a more sensitive human being, you know. So no, I also yeah, think it, it, it could be very a very good decision to have some sort of psychoeducation in school. Uh, next question is, do you believe in CBD uh, CBD to help relieve anxiety? So um, in the UK, um, CBD for anxiety is not regulated or anything. I know that you can use it in America. Um, now, looking at the science behind it, there has been um, anecdotal-like evidence that for specific people, they may have um, had benefits from it. But I don't think there's any major uh, scientific studies been done on it. And I like to be guided by the science. So I'd personally say that I'm more than happy to to read and see more research into it to see if it was beneficial for anxiety. Because like I said before, the more tools that we can have um, at our disposal, disposal, then the better that's going to be for our recovery. I don't know what your take on CBD is. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and here in Brazil, CBD is it's something that is very little talked about. People don't, don't have too much knowledge about it, only a very specific sector. But um, I think that we're talking about a new thing that is being kind of tested and inserted. So I, I would say, give it time. Let's see what's going to happen. And it will be great if it helps, uh, if it helps some people. But I'm sure that therapy would help too if it's paired up with, with CBD. 
100%. Just see a lovely comment there. I think the pandemic has really brought out more conversations around anxiety, which is a positive thing. Uh, and I definitely agree with that. Um, we definitely um, saw an influx of people, especially during the lockdowns, just engaging in conversations on social media about mental health and about anxiety. And to see that continuing is beautiful. And I, I'm sure you agree with that. Completely. I think it was a period that kind of made us look at ourselves. And there was a lot of people who were not um, used to doing that. And I think that once you realize how how complex things can be here, mm-hmm. um, you realize the importance of talking about mental health. You realize that it can be sometimes closer than you think so it's been a very important moment for us to talk about it a lot of people had experienced depression and anxiety and ptsd so it's been very very important for us to be talking about it and to see more people wanting to know it more people researching it and more information available for all of us exactly and next question is uh, do you think what we eat affects anxiety levels in your opinion what do you think i want to hear i, I want to hear your opinion first <laughs> <laughs> uh, personally i i believe in it yeah. but i don't know if it's the in, in the way that most people believe the thing is um when you ingest some sort of food some specific types of food it can cause you, your organism, to respond to it in a different way that it's used to. For example, if you eat like um, a food that has a high index of glycemia, glycemia, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're gonna experience like dizziness, and you're gonna experience some sort of tingling, and you almost experience a little bit of dissociation because your body is trying to is trying to digest it and it's having a huge dumping of insulin so that thing that feeling can trigger you to feel something that it's kind of like a, a start of a panic attack and that can go into a panic attack so i do believe in that that food can change a little bit of how we feel and that change can trigger some sort of anxiety episode yeah, 100% agree with that. And um, like if you think of coffee, for example, um, very similar, isn't it? Because um, a lot of people, when they drink coffee, it can make you nervous, it can increase your heart rate, it can make you, um, it can give you all these similar symptoms to anxiety. And often people will then um, wrongly assume that they're, they're anxious when really it's the mm. intake of the coffee. And a lot of people avoid coffee um, because of anxiety. Uh, did you avoid it when you was going through your anxiety disorder? No, I didn't. No. Um, no, the thought. Did you get? Of... Did you get like the um, the sensations of anxiety, like the heart racing and feeling more alert, like what caffeine does to you? With caffeine, I don't know if I'm used to take a lot. Like okay. I drink a lot of coffee. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have that. And also just the thought of adding another restriction to my routine 
at that point was very scary to me. So mm -hmm. what I did was when I drank it, since I knew I could have that sort of reaction, if something happened, I would already know that it was a coffee, you know, that it's not a panic attack that is coming for me. So that, that I think also helped me. But what, I, what it took me a long time was that thing about food with high index of glycemia, of glycemic. Yeah. And it took me like a year to realize that it was triggering a lot of panic attacks for me. No, I, I completely agree with you. And some, someone said about sugar as well. So like you say, this, these quick rushes or this quick um, adrenaline or energy that we get can really then start to trigger anxiety. Because as you know, when you're anxious, it's like a meerkat, isn't it? You're always looking for danger. So when there's a sudden change in the way that your body... Exactly. <laughs> it could be anything. I remember yeah. when, when I was like in the heart of um, a panic disorder, even when it was, you know, starting to go dark outside. So it was changing from the afternoon yes. to evening. Yeah. And then, I had that too. It was yeah. already too much. Yeah. Did you, did you at any given moment, like not watch it some sort of like, I don't know, news or movies? Did you stop watching things like that or uh, the news definitely no the news definitely um i couldn't really read about um mental health or, or anxiety and I, yeah i hear that a lot um when people are saying um they want to read anxiety books for example but just the thought about reading it could, um, makes them think that it'll trigger their anxiety um, now, we, we both know that obviously what they need to do is, is do it because even if it does trigger the anxiety, that's okay. It's okay to feel anxious and, and that's not a danger. But yeah, um, there, there was situations that where I thought if my anxiety would be triggered that I would avoid it. But we both know that avoidance obviously just keeps the anxiety levels high and it keeps you in that loop of anxiety as well. Exactly. And I think it's also important for us to say that everyone feels anxiety at some given point. It's mm -hmm. part of our constitution as human being. It's kind of like our natural reflex reflection. So when we're talking about the treatment and getting getting out of an anxiety disorder it's not that you're never ever going to experience it you're, you're just going to experience it in a healthy way in at the right time and under the right circumstances mm. so i think it's it's a very important thing for us to keep in mind because sometimes we keep on searching these different types of treatments and we get scary with everything because we, we thought we, we were feeling better than we're not. But it's, it's nice to remember that it's also part of life. Just like having a day that you're like sad, a little blue, it's also part mm -hmm. of life. So it's very important for us to keep that in mind. I mean, we are human beings. We're here to experience these emotional spectrums. So 100% anxiety has been keeping the human species alive since, exactly. like, <laughs> since we were hunters and gatherers. <laughs> And also a scientific study came out saying that people with like lower than normal levels of anxiety are actually um, more likely to die younger because they're more likely to take more risks, which I thought was really interesting. So anxiety isn't the enemy. 
And like you say, when you're going through an anxiety disorder, recovery doesn't mean that you'll never feel anxious again. And I think a lot of people can sometimes be hard on themselves that when they think they feel like they're recovered and then they get anxious, they think that that's a step back. Well, what you just mentioned there, that's definitely not the case. It's changing your relationship to uh, when you feel anxious, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And I think when you think you, you, you just gave a step back, you also put a lot of blame on yourself, which is unreal because you're expecting this unrealistic result that it's, it's not healthy. So getting to know that you're going to experience it and make peace with it, I think it's a very important part of the process too, because in that way you can really get to know when things are happening because they should and when things are happening because you're being triggered and it's not being healthy for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, one, two more questions. So one is, does, do you think alcohol makes anxiety better or worse? Well, in my case, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very bad idea. I mean, I do take my occasional like glass of wine mm. and a drink sometimes, but to me, it's not, I do not respond well with alcohol actually i do not respond well to anything that gets me out of myself you know mm. um the the fact that i'm not feeling like myself the fact not not in a dissociative way but in a way that i'm losing the control of it like when you start to get drunk and you don't know how to see it anymore and yeah. you have trouble handling things that's a huge trigger for me and, and that that well, meerkat that meerkat response doesn't doesn't know what's happening, does it? Um, and it can really really start anxiety. <laughs> yes, I go spiral down. I mean, I do not I do not like it. I mean, one glass of wine is fine once once a week, but that's it for me. To me, it's, it's a very it's a very big trigger. And I don't know about you if you. Um, yeah, so drink. going through anxiety, I actually didn't uh, drink through an anxiety disorder. It was one of the things I cut out. Um, now, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was a heavy, heavy drinker or anything, probably just like you just enjoyed it like occasionally with a meal or something. Um, but I think if somebody is drinking to reduce anxiety, then that can really start to cause problems. Uh, one, because you, you should never try and mask the anxiety because that's just going to create more anxiety. But two, also, the next day, the um, dehydration uh, can mimic anxiety um, symptoms. So, um, yeah, so when you start to feel uh, dehydrated, then you can that can start to trigger anxiety. So I don't think it's good. But if if you do like like the odd drink, um, and you feel like it's not affecting like the anxiety recovery journey, then I wouldn't say to cut it out 100%. I'd just say be mindful of how you be your behavior towards anxiety. Yes, exactly. And also getting to know your limit is a very important thing because it's like, okay, I can go until here. I'm not going to pass and I'm not going to cross this line. Mm -hmm. And if you do, I think that not only you can worsen your anxiety, but also you, the possibility for you to develop another sort of disorder 
it's very huge because you're using this substance to mask what you're feeling so you're not dealing with it and that yeah. can can really become a bigger thing and yeah. i think it's also important for us to say like what's the difference between like why can't you drink and why can you take a uh, medication because you're ingesting substance So I think it's important for us to to point out that when we're talking about medication, we're talking about this specific designed thing that was made yeah. to to give you an equilibrium so you can start to heal yourself from that point so that you're able to function. So you're you're able to have to start to have a normal life. And the other substance might might make you see things in a different way that it's not going to be so helpful to you. So I think it's very important for us to to know how to, you know, divide things. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's a, a, a really um, good way that you put it, that um, anxiety medication has been through trials, there's been studies on it, and it's specifically made to help bring someone's high levels of anxiety down. And it's great what you said earlier about that it's not a magic pill, it's not going to make you recover, that you do need to put in the work. And even if the medication works for you, you still have to put in the work and still do the other things that we mentioned earlier. But and just what you mentioned about alcohol, that yes, it may mask the anxiety, but it's not getting to the root cause. Uh, and in, in the long run and in the short run, really, that it's just going to start to increase your anxiety and maybe start like an addiction towards alcohol as well, which could be another problem. Exactly. Plus... The next day, as you said about dehydration, um, you a lot of people also experience like this sort of depression, yes. you know, the hangover, this sort of depression, which can be another huge trigger for you to develop. Because as many of us know, um, depression and anxiety can walk very closely one another. Mm -hmm. So it's very important for us to keep our eyes open on the reactions that our body is is showing us. And just what you said about anxiety and depression, um, there's some cool um, like studies going on at the moment, which is a lot of um, therapists and, and scientists are, are actually thinking that maybe anxiety and depression could be like two sides of the same coin. So it could be um like two different sides of the same condition and that it, it kind of makes sense in a way because a lot of anxiety and depression symptoms can overlap you do have your, uh, your differences but the definitely definitely is symptoms there that are very similar in anxiety and depression so i think it'd be really important like really interesting to see the results of it. and it's a really big study as well so um yes, really and even the way it's treated i mean um if you go and see like um, sertraline, the recap of, of serotonin, um, it's, it's done the same way to treat depression as it, as it is to treat anxiety. Mm -hmm. So if you have to treat it in the same way, I think it's more than the eye, than meets the eye, you know, to that thing. I think they can, they can be two sides of the same coin or maybe the root of it, like the chemical root of it can be kind of like the same. I experienced depression and I, I, honestly, I cannot remember the moments where one was like, one was separated from the other, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And also, if you think about it as well, if you're dealing with anxiety and you're in this constant makeout state, this constant like state of fear, then that's going to bring your mood down. It's going to bring your self-esteem down. You're going to have low mood from this. So it really does make sense. Um, And the last question is, is it possible no treatments will work for me? No treatments, like... No treatments at all. So I guess it's someone who may be going through an anxiety disorder and they may not have found the right treatment that works for them at the moment. So they're thinking that there is nothing out there to help them with anxiety. Now, do you think that's possible? I think that if you are struggling with something, then your body is asking you to do something different. Mm -hmm. So... um, I don't think that there's like one size fit to all in a treatment basis, but I think it's very important that if you're experiencing struggles, you you must find some way to cope with it and to heal yourself. Like something that it's very unsaid about it that has helped me a lot was faith. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about faith and the concept of faith and and all of these sort of more holistic treatments and stuff has helped me a lot. So it's not invalid, you know, but not doing anything, I think it's really hard to have the whole condition changed and healed. I think you're going to have to look at it at least a little bit. I don't know, what, Um, what do you think? No, 100%. I definitely think that that there will be the right treatment out there for that person. I just think maybe they haven't found it. So maybe they've um, not um, connected with a therapist or maybe they've tried medication and it hasn't worked for them. I think that's where psychoeducation comes into play. So learning more about anxiety, learning more about the treatment. So lives like this will really help where we're discussing all the different treatments and then they can start to explore uh, the different treatments and see which ones work may work best for them and try them. It's, it's trial and error, isn't it? Why like you say it's exactly. a tailor-made, yeah, it's a tailor-made situation for each individual. There isn't one uh, specific route to anxiety recovery. A lot of people can relate to things that have worked for them, but again, what works for you may not have worked for me. I, I just wanted to, just uh, before I let you go, um, just hear what your experience of exercise was so um did you feel that exercise um helped relieve anxiety what's your what was your relationship with exercise when you're going through panic attacks and anxiety disorder well that's a very interesting question because i've been through different moments with exercise um there was a time where it hit, really helped me because oh. it was a way to like unlock my endorphins and stuff so it was good it was a way for me to like handle a little bit of the of the stress I was feeling but it got to a time where putting my headphones and going for a run was the same thing as having 60 minutes of intrusive thoughts so I got to experience like two sides of the same thing and I think what helped me was to really understand how I was feeling at that day. If I should or should not go go for a run, if it's going to be a huge trigger for me, if my mind was too racing, should I go there and maybe like 
maybe have 60 minutes of intrusive thoughts. So it was a process for me to find the right equilibrium to practice some sort of exercise. But I do believe that it's a great way for you to get to know your body better, for you to leave the house a little bit, for you to have your endorphins unlocked in your system. So I think it can be, it can be a very important part of your treatment. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think exercise really helped me, especially when the anxiety levels were, were high. I used to go to the gym in the morning. And like you say, when you get that rush of endorphins, it, it helped me like reduce the anxiety to like more of a stable level that would enable me to go to work and function. Now, the anxiety would come back later on in the afternoon. I do definitely believe that exercise was definitely a beneficial thing for me. And just what you mentioned before about putting your headphones in and the intrusive thoughts, I remember being on the treadmill and your heart racing and then misinterpreting that that was anxiety and it causing a panic attack. So I also had uh, two sides um, as well. Um, and I know that a lot of people uh, may, like feel that they have to stay away from exercise because, again, um, it can increase their breathing, it can make them sweat, it can... Um, increase their heart rate and to them they then start to feel and think that they're anxious and um, so I think it's really important to, for them to uh, know the difference and also know the benefits of exercise because yeah it definitely really helped me on my recovery. Yes oh I'm really glad to know that exercise is like a good part of our recovery and what you just said about getting to know it and doing it after you got to know it um, there's a very important topic on the dialectical behavior therapy that, of course, it's applied when it's the right moment, that it is the opposite action. So if you're really, really struggling with, should I go or should I stay? Should I go to the gym and work out? Or will those intrusive thoughts start happening? Or it will like give me a huge panic attack? So if you feel like, no, I'm going to stay home and I'm not going to talk to anyone, I'm going to isolate myself, you're in this mental state that probably should not be the reason talking to you. So you go and you do the opposite thing. You go to the gym, you get out of the house, you go and unlock your endorphins, you go and see other people. So, of course, it's something that it is applied when people are ready for it, but it's a very important thing because it kind of makes you, gives you an impulse to get to know yourself better and to see that you will go through it, you will overcome it, you will get better. No, that's wonderful. That's a really good technique um, as well for the show. And I'd just like to thank you for firstly coming on to the community, speaking to the community. Your English is amazing, by the way. I reckon it, it could be better than mine, and I'm English, so um, that's a big kudos to you. Um, and just thank you for being open about your own journey and just spreading the psychoeducation and everything that you're doing. I really appreciate um, you taking the time out to do it. If everyone um, don't follow you, I don't know why they wouldn't, but where can they find you on Instagram? And also, do you have any things that are coming up like in the near future? Well, uh, my Instagram is AnnaDoDorigard. Uh, I also have Twitter. You can find me there. And right now, not only I'm working on my career actress and in my fashion company, but I'm very motivated on 
making a Brazilian platform for mental health. Well, you I are, must say you do an amazing job. Your work has helped me so much and it inspired me so much that it kind of gives me the impulse to do it. So thank you very much for having the courage and the sensibility to do this. This is a beautiful job. You're literally saving lives. So thank you very, very much. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your kind words and just your knowledge as well. And just hearing all your knowledge just in this live now it was amazing to hear. And yeah, I just can't wait to see the amazing things that you continue to do in Brazil. Um, and yeah, we'll just have to keep connected and, and yeah. keep making this change um, for the good. Because the more we speak about it, the more people know that they're not, not alone. And they, the more that people know that they can recover from anxiety because we've done it and we're no different than the other people, right? Exactly, exactly. It's, I think a nice way to look at it is it's an opportunity for you to get to know yourself to overcome yourself to get even stronger and even more sensible and to simply see the world and life as the gift that it is so mm -hmm. as and like you said, said earlier about experiencing all the different emotions that we are because we've got yes. all these different types of emotions it's not about getting rid of them it's just about changing our behavior towards anxiety yeah So I think the signal may have gone at the last second, which is um, ironic, but it's also amazing um, that it went at the last second. So I'd just like to thank everyone for coming to the live. Thanks to Anna Zhu as well for um, sharing um, her platform and creating mental health awareness. Um, yeah, everyone just look after yourselves. Keep on talking, keep on ending uh, the stigma surrounding anxiety and mental health and we'll, we'll continue. Love to see so many um, amazing people, amazing fans of the Untangle Your Anxiety book. Five um, different countries now, um, bestseller. So thank you so much for all your support with that. And we will have the next Untangle book in the series. Uh, myself and the amazing psychotherapist, Joshua Fletcher, will be bringing more books to you. So thank you so much, everyone. You've been listening to DLC Live. Be sure to follow Dean on Instagram at DLC Anxiety. Check our website at dlcanxiety.com and grab yourself a copy of our latest book, Untangle Your Anxiety, on Amazon today. See you next time.